appreciate the invitation uh, specifically by Brother Kerry. And I checked with him. I thought uh, maybe he made a wrong call. I asked him a couple weeks ago, said, are you sure you got the right number when you called me to ask me to, to uh, deliver the lesson this Sunday? And he said, yes, I'm sure. And I asked the other elders, and they were okay with it too. So I don't know exactly why, but I appreciate the invitation. And uh, as has already been mentioned, Jacob has gone to, I believe, Greenwood in the Fort Smith area. He's leading a uh, Bible study this week through Wednesday, Vacation Bible School, as well as the Gospel Meeting there. And so that's why he's gone. Zach has gone to Charlotte, Tennessee uh, to, I guess, try out or engage in a study with them. He's going to preach this morning and teach a class this morning and then preach again tonight and discuss with the elders the possibility of working with the church over there. So I hope he's uh, successful in his efforts uh, in that realm. Uh, I guess in a professional sports sense, you might call Jacob the first round draft pick and Jack, Zach would be the second round draft pick and I would probably be the walk-on, the one that wasn't drafted at all, so, so to speak. So. But the one thing that's good about that is that none of us preach from any different source all of our lessons come from the same source. We try to deliver the same gospel and hopefully to glorify God in the words that we preach. One other thing as far as housekeeping, and you won't see anything on the board. Well, you we just went away. You won't see anything on the board unless the songs happen to come up out of time. Uh, I told uh, Kirk, he asked me, uh, did I have anything to put on the bulletin board or on the board up here? Uh, you know, while I was uh, preaching, and I said, no, I'm one like one of those people that can't walk and chew gum at the same time. I have to preach or look up there. I can't do both of them, so I'm, I'll be preaching, and uh, sadly, you're, this is the only thing you're going to see is this ugly mug up here today. I want to go back to a lesson that Brother Mike Hancock delivered at the, before the collection was offered. I think it's been about four or five weeks ago, back in April. Mike was talking about and introduced the collection with a few brief remarks uh, about our Lord uh, stating in John the 14th chapter that uh, if the disciples knew Him, they would know the Father. And Philip there in John 14 verse 7 and 8 said that if He would show them the Father, that would be enough. Mike's point that he was trying to deliver was that that probably would not have been enough. That they had an attitude of scarcity. I like that thought that he brought. And I thought maybe it might need a little bit, uh, or could use a little bit larger, an enlargement or a, a broader study of the matter of the idea of scarcity. Mike made the point that a lot of times we don't give in the collection because we don't feel like we have enough. We don't do certain things because we don't think we have enough. Uh, one of the things that he pointed out and one of the phrases he used was, a lot of times we don't do things because we don't have enough time. And I wondered if that's a truth. Does that hold up to scriptural investigation about whether we don't have enough time to do things? You know, we all have 24 hours in a day. We all have 60 minutes in an hour. I don't think any one of us have a shortening of that time frame. As Mike said, it's an idea that we just feel like we don't have enough. But if we had more, 
we probably never would really have enough to satisfy ourselves. And I thought that was a good talk that he made, and it was a very interesting thought. Just about a week after he made his talk, I received a, or a blog, it's an email I get from a Calvinist group. Uh, and interestingly enough, they have a lot of really good articles as far as the truth is concerned. They just don't make the application. The article is about, do we have enough time? Or the point was, not enough time. And the writer of the article said, we have just enough time. He pointed out the problem that we have is not, not having enough time, but we are engaged in a lot of busyness, B-U-S-Y-N-E-S-S. Not business, but busyness. And we choose to do things that take up our time. And we choose to do these things that are maybe not necessary. We lose the ability to choose the better things. We don't have enough time because we choose not to have enough time. It's not a matter of it just happens to us, but we choose things. I, an example of that business idea is when my wife and my daughter Wendy get together to plant flowers. I'm not a flower person. I'm not really a green thumb person at all, but they love to plant flowers. And they'll, they'll go into the front yard and in the flower beds around the front of our house and dig it up and spend a day, an entire day, that I know could be used in better time and better things, digging holes in the ground and sticking flowers in. And they think that that's something that's worthwhile, so they spend the whole day, and they enlist, enlist my help on that. And I'm real good at being busy when that time comes around. I can figure out a lot of things to do that I don't have enough time to engage in that. And that's business. And that's what we do. We get engaged in business. In James, the fourth chapter, verses 13 through 17, there James talks about those who would say, I'm going to go into another city and I'll spend a day or I'll spend a year and I'll get things and I'll make money and I'll, I'll gain uh, interest on things and I'll do these things tomorrow. And James says the person that does that is committing sin because they know there are good things, good things that should be done now. Now, what are good things? Normally speaking, I think in the Bible when it talks about good things, it's talking about things which accomplish the desired purpose or things that accomplish the design purpose. If I was designed to be a singer, like Brother Kurt, he leads songs that's so good. I'd be engaged in doing that all the time. I'd try and get better at it. I'd study about it. I'd sing songs on the side somewhere. You know, and we think about what we're designed to do. When you look in Ecclesiastes, the last chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes, we really find out there what we're designed to do. It tells us there that we're designed to fear God and to keep His commandments. In your Bible, you read that last chapter, the last verses there, it says, Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole of man, the old King James. The word duty is supplied there to help quote, clarified, but it doesn't really clarify it. That's what we are. 
We are worshipful beings. We are to fear God and keep His commandments. And if we don't do that, we're not doing what we are designed to do. When we get busy doing other things, we do not do our designed purpose. And that's why when a person knows to do a good thing and puts it off, he's committing sin because he's not following his designed purpose. In Hebrews, where Brother Kerry read this morning, Hebrews, the third chapter, if you look at the very beginning of that chapter, chapter three, those people who were called, talked about having an evil heart of unbelief over in, in verse 12, the very first verse, it calls them holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. That's the very same brethren who later in that chapter are warned about having an evil heart of unbelief. And he says in verse 13, exhort one another daily, what is called today, not tomorrow, what it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sins. The term exhort means to admonish in a particular course of action. It's not just a broad thing saying, go and do good. We are to admonish people to do a certain thing to improve themselves. And there the writer of the Hebrew letter says, these holy brethren had to be careful lest they were deceived by sin and their heart was hardened and they fall away from God. Now when we get busy doing things that are not what God has called us to do, we become deceived by sin. I appreciated Brother White's closing comments this morning, and I think maybe by the time I end my lesson, you'll see why I agree 100% that we need to raise our view a little bit and raise our self-expectations of the things that we do because we are able to do more with the time God has given us. We are not short-timers. We have an entire life to do what God calls us to do. Chris Emerson had a lesson back when we had our uh, workshop, Bible workshop. I thought he said, made a very good point when he talked about in Philippians, the third chapter there, that the, Paul there told the Philippian brother that he didn't look at the things that were behind him. He looked to the future. He was trying to grasp that prize. He sought to do one thing. That was to serve Christ and to preach the gospel and to keep the commands of God. He wanted to do one thing right. Brother Emerson said a lot of times we go around seeking what we can do. We go all over the place. We're busy here and busy there. and We get busy with a lot of things. But if we just choose one thing, and that would be serving God, we would fulfill our design purpose. When Jacob has had lessons several times, he's talked about the problem that Martha had when Mary sought that one good thing. She went around and says, told Christ, have her come help me. And Christ said that Mary had chosen the good thing. She wanted to hear Christ speak. She wanted to hear the words of Christ. Martha was one who was busy doing a lot of things, but if she had chosen that one good thing, her life would have been much more enriched by the words of Christ. We need to choose that one good thing, that one good part that is to follow Christ. Business is not always doing wrong things. 
We can get busy doing things that are not sinful in and of themselves. I think if you look at uh, Exodus, the 18th chapter, where Moses was taking in all the questions. Every time somebody had a question or had a decision to make, they'd come to Moses there. And his father-in-law, Jethro, saw him and he was wearing himself down. And Jethro said, you can't do this. You can't do this all the time. You will wear yourself out. He said, you need to choose men in the, in the crowd or in the, in the congregation to do these things for you and build up a hierarchy of things. And only those most important questions would come to Moses for a decision. And when Moses did that, he had time to do what he was supposed to do. That is to be the judge over the people of Israel. The lesser questions would be solved by the heads of the families. And Moses would solve the most important questions of all. We need to do that sometimes. We need to make a decision that we will do some things and other things we'll put them aside. There's one thing that happens every week to me. A couple of times I've failed. But since Jacob had starting a, a lesson on Thursday mornings, that's one thing that I always try to do is to make sure I'm at that one lesson Thursday morning. And it benefits me all week long. Sometimes I'm pretty tired at 6 o'clock in the morning on Thursday morning. And the older I get, the tighter I get. I was looking at Cameron a while ago, and I think Cameron looks a little bit tired than usual today. I don't know, I don't know what's about Cameron today, but he kind of looks kind of like I did on Thursday mornings at 6 o'clock sometimes. I think he may have a different reason, though. But sometimes we need to even set aside that tired attitude. And do those things which we would want to put aside and say, I'm too busy to do that. But we're not really too busy to do that. We need to do what God says. One of the dangers of being busy is we become too busy to follow God. And to take advantage of the invitation that God has delivered. In Luke the 14th chapter, there's a parable of the great feast of the great banquet there where God says he sent out into all the areas and invited all kinds of people to his feast. And when the time came ready for the feast to take place, he called the people and said, everything's ready. Come into the feast. And everyone that was invited began to make excuses for why they couldn't come. Some very interesting excuses when you look there at Luke the 18th chapter, 14th chapter rather. The first man said he'd bought a piece of land. And he had to go look at it. Now, when have you ever seen anyone in their right mind buy a piece of land that he's never seen? Now, take that back. Some people buy land in Florida in the swamps, and some people buy land in Alaska just wishing for it. But you know what they get stuck with usually, too? A big hole full of water. The second man said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I need to go test them. Now, how many of you folks would buy a new car that you hadn't even seen or driven? I guess some people do, but I can't really see someone who has a yoke of oxen that would go buy five yoke of oxen, much less one, but five yoke of oxen. They never even tried them out. The last one's really a good one. Man says, I've married a wife and I've got to go see her. Now, I tell you what, I don't know which one of you men out there would buy marry a wife and then go on to see her. And that's, that's really a, that's a doozy of all. But all these people made excuses to the master of a great feast and said, I can't come to it. What did the master do? He rejected them all. 
and said, none of these people will be able to partake of the table. If we get so busy that we turn down the master because we have to do something else. We're busy in some other area. We need to be very wary of what might happen there. Matthew, the 25th chapter, I think, has a, a good parable that might be used to summarize the problem of busyness. It's called the parable of the talents. Most Bibles have it. Where the master came and delivered all of his goods. You know, I never had thought about that before. But when I was reading this, instead, he delivered all of his goods to his servants. He didn't hold anything back at all. He delivered all to his servants. To one man he gave five talents. And the talents here uh, are not, you know, we sometimes get confused on this parable because we think talents are our abilities. But the talents were given based on abilities. So the talents here are resources or opportunities might be called. He gave five to one man, he gave two to another, and he gave one to another one. And it says he went on a long journey. He went away for a long time. And he left these people his goods. Now, they weren't their goods. They were being stewards of his goods. God has done that to us. He's delivered all of his goods to us. Everything I have... When we gather around the table to take up the collection on Sunday morning, I'm not giving God some of my goods. I'm giving back what He has made me a steward of. Everything I earn and the ability I have to earn it is a gift of God. It's not something that I created myself. We're told that God gives us abilities in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 11. God gives us all of our abilities. I can't be good looking like Stephen. I, there's nothing I can do to be good looking like Stephen. There's just no way I can do it. I mean, I can have plastic surgery from here till my last days, and I'm not going to be that good looking. I can't grow hair. I've tried it. It don't work. And what I have left, I just shave off because it's a lot cheaper that way. But I can't do that. God gives me what He wants me to have. And let me tell you this. He gives me exactly what I need to have. I don't need any more than what God's given me. Sometimes we feel like we've been shorted on something. God gives us just enough to do what we have to do to please Him. The, the rest of that story is when the man was gone, it says, After a long time, the Lord of the servants came and settled accounts with them. After a long time, he indicates, he gave them plenty of time to do what they should have done. He didn't come quickly and surprise them. It's not like the thief of the night. He came back after a long time. The good servants were faithful, the Bible says, in a few things. There's a small amount of things. But what happened? When they reported what they had done, the master made them ruler over many things. Their abilities were improved. Their abilities were increased. The opportunities were increased. They were able to do more for their master. And they were blessed because of that. How many times do we realize that? If we just realized what God has given us and make use of those things, just a few things, 
he'll allow us to be rulers over many things and we can increase our ability in the kingdom. But that one wicked servant, as he's called, he was a horrible man when you think about it. He made accusations against the master as if he were an enemy. He reminds me a lot of Adam, the first man. When God found that he had disobeyed him and he had partaken of the forbidden fruit, Adam says, the woman that you gave me, he accused God of being the, fault, the one at fault here. The woman you gave me gave the fruit to me and I partook of it. This wicked servant said that this master was a hard man. I knew you were a hard man. You reaped where you hadn't sown. You brought in goods you hadn't bought. He had no respect for the love that that master had for him to give him that talent. And he gave him what he was able to use. He didn't give him too much or too little. A lot of times we have a failure in thinking we're valuable beyond what we are. And we wait around for the big opportunity. And God delivers to us many small opportunities. If we would just take advantage of what God has given to us, instead of waiting for some big thing so we can show off, we'd be a whole lot better servant of God. But this wicked servant says, I knew you were a hard man, so I went and digged in the ground. He failed in the very meager task before him. How many times do we fail because we think the task is not worthy of our work, not worthy of our importance? We feel more important than we really are because we think we are better than we are. We are all servants. We are all stewards of the blessings that God has given to us. As I said, I think we have just enough of the things. We have just enough time. We're not short of time. We all are to walk circumspectly, according to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. Redeeming the time, we're told. What does that mean, redeeming the time? It has a thought here that we catch time as it is fleeting by us. We command time. We don't allow time to command us. We redeem the time. We buy it back. That's an interesting thought, buying back time. I've always wondered how you can do that. I think maybe one way is we teach others, and they begin to teach others, and we have multiplied our time that way. The original language of talking about that we redeem that time, we pull it away from vanity. I've wondered sometimes if we can say time is not used. I don't think that's a really a correct statement. If I don't use time, guess what? Satan's going to use it. If I don't take advantage of the time God gives me, Satan will sure take advantage of it for himself against God. We have enough time. We are to strive to be workers in the kingdom of God. 2 Timothy 2.15 We are to work. We are to be a person that can rightly divide the truth. We are to study. We are to be diligent in doing those things that God calls us to do. 
As I said earlier in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11, God has given us abilities. He's given us ability to do His will. And we will do what He says if we follow His commands. The Scriptures furnish us unto those good works. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable that we might be perfect before God. We must have the understanding that God has given us enough time, enough ability, and He's also given us enough talents as opportunities and resources. But Skip had a talk about three weeks ago, and I thought it was very interesting. He read in the 2 Corinthians chapter 9 there where a lot of times we stop reading with verse 9. We don't read any further than that. But if you look there in 2 Corinthians <coughs> excuse me, chapter 9, it goes on to explain there that God gives us the things that we need to do His will. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6 says, This I say, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes his heart, not grudging or necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. But going on, it says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Skip pointed out that God gives us that we might fulfill the requirements that we have. He doesn't short us in anything. I understand that a lot of people think about this being the the health and wealth, health and welfare gospel. But that's not what God's talking about. God doesn't increase our goods so that we can line our pockets. He increases our goods so we may do righteous things and glorify Him. That was what Brother Vernon was talking about. If we realize just small things we might do, I don't think God's going to give me more back because I give something so that I can increase my wealth but so that I might do more good things for Him. So God gives us enough time, He gives us enough ability, and He gives us enough opportunities and resources. If you do good for God, according to John 15 too, God will prune us. Now, we had a lesson in Brother Don's class. That the, the writer there said that God prunes, uh, let's see, God prunes the wicked. God doesn't prune the wicked. He made a wrong statement. He prunes the righteous so that when, he, when you have a, a plant that's, that's putting out a lot of fruit, you prune it so it can grow and have more fruit. That's what God does for us. We must not be like the wicked servant. Every moment of our time is a blessing from God. And I think if we realize that our time is a blessing from God, we will treat it as holy, as set apart to God that we don't become busy in those things that are unnecessary. But we design ourselves and we set ourselves to choose those things that are important before God. And if we choose those things that are important before God, that we can serve God. Sometimes churches fall into this, into this trap of failing to realize that God has blessed them. Churches will fail to act because they don't think they have enough funds to do certain things. I was attending a church one time that was just getting started. And the building they were, that they were working in had fallen in the roof one time because the snow was on top of it. I was there 
when the snow piled up about a foot top, we were sitting there on a Sunday night, and all of a sudden the roof just kind of started slowly coming down. It finally went down, and it stopped on top of the seats, and everybody was kind of hunkered down like this to keep the roof from getting on top of them. Well, the men decided we needed to do something about that building and get us a real good building instead of a portable building. But nobody really thought we could do it because we didn't have any money in the treasury. And one of the men stood up and said, you know, if we'll just have the faith that God will do for us, we can do this. And that congregation, I think, had 10 families, if I remember correctly, and every family there signed a, a promissory note for $5,000. Some of us didn't realize or didn't think that that would ever be something we could pay for. But you know, we never had to because we continued to work for God and we had the faith that God would continue to work with us and we built the building and we paid for it a long time before it was ever due. We need to have faith in God that God will help us do the things He's called upon us to do. Brother Vernon said sometimes we just need to look a little higher. And I think maybe sometimes we look way high and realize that God calls us to do certain things and when we do those things then God will bless us. I thank uh, Mike for his talk because that was a, a real good incentive to me. And Skip for his talk on the giving and how that God will bless us. That was a real good incentive as well. We need to realize that God never will call us to do something that he hadn't prepared us to do. And if we look to his word and look to his blessings and obey him with an understanding that he is a, a, a wonderful God, a loving God, and we'll always be able to do what he says. We will have to answer, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, for the stewardship, for what we've done with the goods that God's blessed us with on this earth. When we stand before God in that last great day, I don't want him to look down to me and say, you fell short. And I'm not going to look to God and say, I dug and hid it in the sand. I hope I can be able to stand before him and him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in. That's what I want to do. There's a song that Stephen leads sometimes. I can't, usually I can't sing all of it. The last few words of that song are enter in. That's what I want to do. If you're not prepared to stand before your God today, there's a song of encouragement that's been selected. Won't you think seriously about your condition? Are you wasting your time? Are you too busy to do God's will? Are you not taking advantages of the talents that God's delivered to you? Think about your condition. If there's anything this congregation can help you with this morning, won't you come while we stand and sing a song of encouragement?